Welcome to the 34-Circe Salon. We journey from the ancient world to the cosmos. Take the adventure, Take with, the adventure us. with us. With us. With us. With us. With us. With us. And welcome back, everyone, to the 34 Circe Salon. This is the Parallax Channel. We are going to be exploring the classical world at the movies. And just imagine a fanfare of great old-time music going on underneath, which I'll probably put on the post, and you'll never know the difference. I'm Sean Marlon Newcomb, and we are going to be talking about two great films today. But before that, I just want to make sure to ask you to please give us a nice rating or a nice like on whatever podcast podcast platform you're using to listen to this show or uh, leave us a message or a comment we'd love to hear from you you can also reach out to us at info at 34circe.com that's info at 34circe.com and today we are going to be talking about Clash of the Titans. We're going to be looking at it, the, both the 1981 and the 2010 versions. And there's only one man that we could have to view that and talk and discuss that with. And that is Dr. Gary Stickle. Welcome back, Gary. I'm glad to be back. Thanks. That's some applause you got there. So, Gary, nice. this, nice. should be, this should be a good one because we're going to talk about Clash of the Titans. For those not familiar, so the Clash of the Titans was originally created in 1981, and there was a reboot or remake in 2010. And, Gary, both the films are superficially related, but they're very different films, aren't they? They're very different stories. Yes, very, very different. The 1981 version is really reliant, uh, I think, to its credit, on the actual myths of Perseus. So for the listener, these both films share that they are the story of Perseus, the great ancient Greek hero, who had a number of myths associated with him. And in the 1981 version, we really follow those myths in specific kind of detail. But in the 2010 version, we have some of those myths, but the main story isn't sort of the retelling some of the myths of Perseus. The main story, to me, appears to be a battle of man versus the gods. Would you agree with that, Gary? In the new version? In the new version. It's man versus gods. More so well, yes. Perseus, um, you know, trying to... But there's a, a war, so to speak, which wasn't in the myth at all, the original myth of Perseus. Right. Uh, That's where, what I mean. It's, it's Zeus, not the original myth. Where Zeus, the king of the gods, is being uh, challenged with a war by Hades, the, the, the ruler of the dead, the, king, mm-hmm. the kingdom of the dead. And Perseus is trying to stop that and stop the, uh, you know, the, uh, the, the world of the gods from uh, just being destroyed and therefore people with it or something. Well, I, well, I because I just looked at this. So what what they start off with in Maine is that the man, man has declared war on the gods, and then Zeus is upset. Zeus being played by Liam Neeson, 
Yeah. Uh, Zeus is upset at the ingratitude of mankind. Now, to me, okay, so now we have this setup in the 2010 version. Humans take on the gods. Already, you got me kind of timed out because it's a little bit kind of an insane battle. If these are really gods, and I like the fact that they embrace the mythology, how would man have any chance against them? They would have now, no chance. And it makes no logical sense whatsoever. None at all. Whereas in the 1981 version, what we get is just the the tales of Perseus, um, the journey, his heroic journey. So he has to fight Medusa. He's trying to win um, the love of, is it Andromeda, I believe, right? Yeah. So he's trying to win the love of Andromeda. So that's really what the tale is. He In that first movie, uh, he says, it is my destiny. My destiny is to win Andromeda's heart and make her his beloved. Um, whereas in the 2010 version, it's about a war against the gods. Let me, let me just put this out there right here, Gary. So here's my problem with both of these films, okay? For the second film, my main problem is you see this arc from where the world was in 1981 to where the world was in 2010, so 10 years ago, and we have, we're going kind of in that same direction. We diminish the role of, of woman in film. So in the 2010 version, the goddesses are almost non-existent. Yes. There's a demigoddess. I don't even know what the point of her is. And then you've got bad old Medusa. In the 1981 version, the goddesses are central to yes. moving the story along. Plus, so is the love. Whereas in this 2010 version, the love story is it's sort of like he really doesn't want her or she can't be with her. It's, there's, it's almost as if the idea of, of the great power of of the female spirit, female energy, is removed from the 2010 version. Goddess is not important. Beloved, not important. It's just a bunch of superhero dudes in old school Greek armor. We'll ask you about that, whether it was period, period accurate. Um, fighting. So the 2010 version was more, much more like the Avengers than the 1981. Yeah, uh, that's what they're going for. Uh, rather than, you know, uh, adhering to any any uh, true story at all in my book. Can you tell the listeners just a little bit about Perseus and his journey so they understand what we're talking about? Because for the listener, again, the 1981 version is much closer to myth. The 2010 version just <laughs> takes Perseus and puts him in a story that they think works. An action movie is basically what happens. Well, Perseus is this hero that is favored by the gods, particularly the goddess Thetis in the original film. Uh, I forget the name of the actress that portrayed her. Um, Maggie Smith in the original film. <clears throat> yeah, Maggie She's Smith. Downton Abbey. Yes, and she was actually the one who got uh, Lawrence Olivier, Sir Lawrence Olivier, to portray Zeus in the 1981 oh. version. Let's 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 point out the cast too, because the cast of both versions are are pretty impressive. I mean, in the 1981 version, you've got Lawrence Olivier, Maggie Smith, Ursula Andress. Right. So you have these incredible and and, uh, and Burgess Meredith. Burgess Meredith, Harry Hamlin plays the lead. Yeah, actually, uh, he was not slated to play the. I mean, he get this. They they offered the. Uh, they were thinking about giving a role to Richard Chamberlain and other major actors, but. 
I, I think Harry Hausen decided on Harry Hamlin for some reason. I, I'm glad he did. I think well, he, Chamberlain would have been too old at that point. I think he would have been. Hamlin really, because you didn't know who he was, he just kind of embodied the hero, and I, I thought it was—I thought it was a better choice, really. And people will remember Harry Hamlin from the great 1980s. I think it even went a little bit into the 90s. But L.A. Law—he yeah. was the lead in L.A. Law. And so yeah, he was a star in that show. First big star turn, I think, if I'm not mistaken. So go on. So we've got. So we got. That's the big cast. And Lawrence Olivier, one of the greatest actors of all time, plays Zeus. Well, Incredible. he was he was a better Zeus to me than Liam Neeson was in the remake. But uh, whatever. I like Liam. I think Liam Neeson is a fantastic actor. I liked him as Zeus. They're just different. They're just different. Zeus. Yeah. No, he was okay. Um, <clears throat> and uh, Ursula Andress uh, played, um, you know, the Aphrodite, Aphrodite, the goddess of love. Perfect. Actually, well, no, she wasn't perfect for me. She was too old for the role at the time. Uh, I think she still looked fantastic. I just my problem was that she had like three lines in the whole film. Well, yeah, that that too. Um, and also, she played it real serious, whereas Homer keeps saying, "You know, laughter loving Aphrodite. Aphrodite well, is supposed, yeah, supposed to be yeah. light and frivolous and everything." And uh, I just would have preferred a younger and more uh, outgoing actress in the role. You know, uh, yeah, the, the, her age isn't bothering me at all. She looked amazing, but I think it's the, uh, it, yeah, I, I, I was more bothered by she had very little to do in that role. And yes, but at least again, unlike the 2010 version, there are goddesses that actually matter. I think, I think the goddesses in the 2010 version may have had one line. Yeah, something like that. Very, very diminished, which I think is a big, a big mistake. Well, it says a lot about where Hollywood culture is. I firmly believe that Hollywood culture is trying to eradicate the notion of that kind of female majesty, that majesty which embraces both the physical beauty as well as the physical strength, as well as the mental strength, power, leadership, all these things in there. The 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 essence of the goddess is being really well. That, and that's what Ursula Andress did, and. The first James Bond movie, Doctor No, when she walks out of the sea in that bikini, but she's really tough. She's got a yeah. knife knife strapped to her hip, you know. Yeah, it's um, like she she rises from the ocean like Aphrodite. Yeah, it was even it was one. compared it was compared to Aphrodite rising out of the ocean, like Botticelli's Venus. But yeah. Um, yeah. so we don't. So so my one my my number one big complaint about the 2010 version is that the, the removal of the goddess and the energy of the goddess. I agree. Um, you know, I have my issue with Greek myth in terms of its handling of the feminine, but at least there is a feminine in most cases. Um, whereas in the 2010 version, you have Ray Fiennes who plays uh, Hades versus Liam Neeson who plays Zeus. Both I think his name is pronounced Rafe Fiennes. Oh, okay. Ray Fiennes. Okay. Because I always said Fiennes, but his brother, he and his brother, well-known actors, we all know them. No, he's um, a good actor. It's just I thought the plot was... It just veered too much from original story. It didn't work for me. No. Well, and, well, my problem is that they're both amazing actors. I think uh, he, Ray, well, and Liam are amazing <laughs> actors. The problem I have with them, uh, with not with them, but with this, is that 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 choice of a central story of this made-up story, like as if, uh, frankly, really, I mean, Hollywood has great writers, and I think people. Uh, what I will say for the 2010 version is there was a clarity of purpose. So in other words, we know what the setup is very clearly in the 2010 version. It explains the world right from the get-go. 
and shows you the conflict, man versus the God. Stupid though it was, in my opinion, it, it at was least totally improbable. You know, I mean, come on, you know, it is, it is, but at least it's clear. Whereas I have to say, in the 1981 version, it's almost the opposite. So what happens in the 2010 version, from my standpoint, is they set it up, they give you the story, they give you the conflict, but they don't go anywhere with it. It's just watch them. I, fight. I think it's just they, an excuse for special effects and and, and fighting. Yeah, and, and fighting. frankly, you know, everything was bigger, like. In the original, it had a, you know, the uh, uh, Perseus against these giant scorpions, and then the 2010 version, the, the scorpions were gigantic. You know that. Yeah, they were nuclear. Yeah, the mutant the, the, uh, the sea monster that they call inaccurately in the original in both versions really the kraken, which is which is a Viking term for a sea monster, not right. an ancient Greek term. Um, but anyhow, it sounds nice. Kraken maybe sounds better than a Greek term. I don't know. But well, um, it doesn't. But that's the problem. Even in both, and I think it was interesting. I thought about it because the sensibility of the 2010 version definitely pulls in Norse sensibility. You know, the idea. One of the fascinating things about Norse mythology is that end of the gods. You know, you get that end. Yeah. You don't have that in Greek mythology, so it doesn't make any sense. So when you have this scene, when you have the Perseus trying to mediate between the war between gods and the men. How can you declare war on gods who created you? It doesn't make any sense unless somehow they well, create Not you when they powerful. can destroy you with a lightning bolt or whatever. I mean, Exactly. And speaking of <clears throat> lightning bolts, do I have? No, I thought I had a good lightning bolt sound effect. But uh, so you have that. So the setup is clear, but it goes nowhere. Whereas in the 1981 version, it, if you don't understand Greek mythology, it's hard to figure out what's going on. I think. Well, I, I, I think he's still in the beginning. I still, I think he still get it that he's he's on this journey, and he wants to save Andromeda. Uh, you get and, well. The journey becomes better in the 1981. That's the difference. They they take the well, journey in a better way in that. First. Well, for example, when uh, Perseus captures the winged flying horse Pegasus. That that was a great scene in the original movie, because right. uh, yeah, there's this uh, sacred spring that Perseus that uh, Pegasus flies to to drink, you know, and Perseus uh, finds out about. It. He goes there, and then he sneaks up on him and you know puts a like a bridle around him, jumps on him, and then uh, Pegasus flies up and he has a wild ride, you know, like a bucking bronco, but up in the midair. Mm -hmm. But, but the episode was majestic and, and Pegasus was white. He's always depicted as white on Greek vases and stuff mm -hmm. like that. Whereas in the 2010 version, they made him black, which is ridiculous. It's not Pegasus. Well, that was, that's, that's, you, you mentioned the majesty in the 1981. And that stood out for me because the, the way that uh, Harry Hamlin played Perseus in the nineteen eighty in the nineteen eighty one version was extremely majestic. Was I, extremely, I think so? Yeah, I mean, it was it was just he played it, but it, I think it speaks to where culture is. I mean, I think it speaks to where there, there's a um, scene where when he's attacking the Kraken, you know, he raises his sword high in the air. It's just a majestic. Well, he plays it much more like a king, whereas the 2010 version, Sam Worthington, another wonderful actor, uh, and I tend to not blame sort of. No, no, I like him, but he, he wasn't but allowed not, to. He wasn't allowed to have a good good uh, script. 
You know? Well, also, it, it, they created his character as much more, again, like some kind of, like Neo from The Matrix. I love The Matrix. I love the Neo character. It's not Perseus. Yeah. And that's the problem. Yeah. You know, I think both films suffer from blockbuster syndrome from their era. Because one thing that was interesting in the 81 version is that, to me, stupid mechanical owl um, which I think because it was 1981 was their bid at their R2-D2 for their movie. Their, it was their Star Wars. Movie. Oh, yeah. That, that didn't work for me either. The owl. owl. The mechanical and, owl. Yeah, I thought well, that was, was, yeah, that was it, a little it, silly. It was silly. It was silly. It beeped just like R2-D2. Boop, bop, beep, squawking, all that crap. Makes no – didn't add anything to it. And whereas it, the 2010 it, version it – was, It was an attempt to replicate that. I, I found that out. Yeah, yeah. Well, exactly. It's a, it's what it looked like. The 2010 version had stuff which is again. It tried to be the like a superhero film. Uh, it it had the gin. What what they were doing in this uh, from from Near Eastern mythology, later Near Eastern mythology. Why the gin were in it? Uh, it didn't make any sense to me. It was just again, it was a bid to have zombies involved. Is my the way I interpreted it. Um, so it's just both these films. Neither one trusted the power of the mythology. The mythology that it's based on has lasted for 3,000 years. I think it'll still work for a viewer if you just rely on the ancient Greek myth. And again, if you include goddesses, I you know I know they may not want to, but they really should. Well, so, it was ridiculous to virtualize, as you're saying, totally de-emphasize them. Yeah, it's, it's, it's part of what drives these stories. But again, trusting the myth, I think, is really important. And that's not what either – well, the 1981 certainly did. Right? So I give it high marks for that. They throw some stuff in there. The 2010 version did not trust it and just made this an action film. And it, yeah, just, and it, it included silly. action elements like it had these harpy-like flying creatures that weren't in the original story. Yeah, it's um, just just weird, just weird yeah. stuff. So okay, so we've got these two stories. I think they each have flaws of their era. I I think, however, that the 1981 version is a much more representative version of the myth. If you really want to understand what the story of Perseus is about, that's a much better version to look at than the 2010 version. If you really want to understand something about the Greek myth, it's a much better place to start. Well, what was interesting to me. Well, a couple things, because um, I was reading about this, uh, preparing for our podcast here, um, <clears throat> is um, apparently Harryhausen was going to put uh, the actress that portrayed Andromeda. Uh, right. I, I forget her name. She wasn't a major actress, but she's very beautiful. Mm-hmm. More beautiful than one that portrayed her in the uh, sequel. Um and uh, he was going to have her, uh, you know, she's chained to a rock so that the kraken can eat her, I guess. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, she's being sacrificed by uh, her city, you know. Um, and uh, <clears throat> and then uh, I, I read that Harryhausen was going to have her nude in that scene. Oh, and, I, and that really surprises me because, I, you know, I thought the film was going to be for kids because, you know, I, I as a kid, I'd love – Ray Harryhausen's other movies, you know, like Jason and the Argonauts, and uh, that unforgettable scene where Jason is taking on the, the the soldiers who are 
skeleton soldiers that pop that out is of the ground. One of the best to 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 my mind, that scene is one of the few special effects from an older era that really still holds up. It's yeah, he, really he did uh, stop action animation. It was called where he had little models. He moved them a tiny bit and filmed it and kept doing it until he made them look real. But he was a master at it. I mean, those the, that sequence is better than the uh, Hallmark Entertainment's remake of the story where they had CGI versions and they weren't as compelling as what Ray Harryhausen did. For the listener, if you haven't seen that, Jason, and the Argonauts, the Ray Harryhausen version, uh, with Ray Harryhausen, I should say, special effects, you must see it. It's amazing. That That's a skeleton sequence. However, I will say to you, Gary, I don't think the special effects in the 1981 version hold up. Well, you know, they're they're of the period. Was it, yeah. what's, inter- what's interesting to me, mm-hmm. too, it came out in 1981, the same year as Raiders of the Lost Ark. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the film I helped with, I keep saying. Uh, I was the archaeologist, yeah. the only archaeologist that helped him with the Indiana Jones archaeologist character. So why it, we but, call you the real to life me, I, Indiana I thought, Jones. When, when we thought about doing this uh, podcast, I thought that um, – uh, you know, I, I thought Clash of the Titans was older. Somehow it seems older to me than Raiders, you know? Yeah, I mean, I think it's certainly when you look at how it was made, it is definitely in an older tradition of filmmaking. It did. It borrowed the stupid owl from Star Wars, but everything else yeah. was from an older tradition of, tradition of filmmaking. I will say that it, in a, when the gods and goddesses are on Olympus, it's a, there's a kind of, very 80s futuristic Olympus, which I don't mind. I think it works okay in that. Yeah. Um, uh, no, it was, it was, uh, you know, they were in classical Greek clothing, um, and which is okay. And, uh, you know, they, yeah, they're trying, yeah. they're, they're trying to do? portray the, the majesty of Mount Olympus where the gods lived, you know. No, it makes sense. But what was the deal with uh, the 2010 version? They're dressed like medieval knights. Uh, I thought the costume was horrible. It was bizarre. Like, why are they? Yeah. I mean, you've got a kraken from a different mythology. You've got medieval knights. You've got this story that doesn't exist in mythology that makes no sense. People fighting gods. I mean, that'd be a short fight. Exactly. Um, and like then the still- armor was all wrong and everything. It, it, it was better in the uh, Ray Harryhausen version. Well, they just I, the journey that the the hero's journey was clearly not trust in 2010. It just was their version of the hero's journey. Um, what? So let's talk a little bit about the. I don't even know if we can even spend time, frankly, on whether these things are period active. It's such a period accurate. It's such a mishmash of stuff. But yeah. did you? How did you feel about the 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 costuming in each of these films? Well, I think it was better in the original film. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it it could have been better for me, but uh, it, you know, most people have this idea that the Greek gods look like classical Greece, and you mm-hmm. know, Harryhausen was going with that. What um, do you think? That how would you have dressed the the Greek gods? Like, what would there have been their look in your opinion? Well, they they kind of captured it a little bit in the 2010 version where they. They had them glowing at times, mm-hmm. and that makes them look supernatural. I, I think that would have been a good special effect to have them glowing. Or if, if we were to do it today, I'd have them glowing, you know, that kind of well, thing. What about the costuming? Uh, I, I think the costuming could be more Bronze Age, 
when the, the period of these myths supposedly took place. But, uh, you know, well, what would whatever. that mean? What is a Bronze Age costume? Bronze Age look is very different. For example, the helmets don't have horse like, they have horsehair crests, but they don't look like brushes going down the helmet. They're like plumes that come out of the top of the helmet. Mm-hmm. Uh, the armor's different. Uh, the women's dresses, especially, are very beautiful and much more colorful than classical Greece, where we have this stereotype that all the Greeks wore white, you know? Yeah, yeah, when their colors pop. People yeah. understood color uh, from the dawn of well, the, the rise the of the thing is, the Greeks so. love color, and in fact, mm-hmm. the uh, statues on the Parthenon and other Greek temples were actually painted in colors. They weren't right. white. It's fascinating to, to see when they when they figured that out and then recreated it. It's really interesting to look at them. Yeah, it really is. They've had recreations which are really fascinating. And there's traces of paint they can discover, you know, through uh, infrared and techniques like that. That's how they find out what the colors were, you know. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> well, you know, we're coming towards the end, so let's let's kind of let's talk about it and wrap it up. So first of all, how would you rate? The, let's let's give let's get our ratings out of the way. How would you rate the nineteen eighty one version? We use our five shields as the is the rating system. I, I would give it about thing. a three. Three shields for the nineteen eighty one. What would you give the whereas, whereas his Jason Argonauts, I'd give a five, you know? Right. But what about the twenty ten version? I, I'd I'd give it maybe a two. I'm with you. You know, we we are in agreement on both these past two weeks. I would give the 81 a three, and I'd give the 2010 a two. I mean, again, my my big issue with the 2010 version. I mean, I particularly again, it's it's not it has nothing to do with the actual myth. It's just a made up story, which is totally fine. But if you're going to do that, you better stick to your landing. And in the case of this one, having men fight gods is a little. It, it didn't there. have any grandeur to me because in the no. 1981 version, when Perseus is flying across the sky in Pegasus, it, it's there's grandeur to it. It's beautiful. I agree. I agree. And then, the, and then the 2010 version, he's flying on a black horse, and the monster, which is gigantic, is, is dark, so you, you have trouble seeing him flying against the the monster. Whereas in the uh, 1981 version, you clearly see him on the white white flying horse. Yeah, the entire thing, because the 1981 took from the actual mythology, the different stories of Perseus, and wove them together, because it had that, it had its native grandeur already in place. And I think even the music was better. Uh, I forgot who did the music soundtrack for 1981 version. but, I'll, um, we'll find out. We'll put it up. But yeah, I and neither no, version was, uh, you know, you know, no, no less than the composer for the Star Wars series. And in the was it John Williams who did that? No, but he was considered for it. And Harryhausen didn't like his music. He selected another composer. Okay. Okay. Well, uh, in both cases, I, you know, the music didn't stand out to me in any way. No, but I think it was better in the eighty-one version. Yeah, I think they're by and large the eighty-one version is much better. I don't think the effects hold up. I have my issues with um, and and I think the, the sequence. Setup. I just want to quickly get this in here because sure. we're wrapping up. But the sequence in the nineteen eighty-one version with Medusa that can turn men into stone from her look, mm-hmm. her eyes, and of course he cuts off the head of the Medusa by looking at a shield and seeing her reflection and everything. Much better done in the 1981 version 
And of course, he flies with that cut off head of Medusa mm -hmm. and he shows it to the Kraken and it turns the Kraken into stone. That's how he kills the Kraken. Mm -hmm. So it was, I, I don't know. It was just, well, they, well they, they did that in the 2010 as well. But they did, but I thought it was better done in 1981 version. It was creepier and more interesting to me. I thought the Medusa's head was creepier in the 2010, but I thought the sequence, I agree with you, the sequence of, of Perseus uh, slaying her was much better done in the 81 version. And again, if he's not going to be with her, I mean, it's just such a, a strange choice to not, I don't know, it's, it's, to, to sort of diminish the, the, the love attraction and the, and the desire of Perseus. Again, it's this, again, I, think I can't the, remember the 2010 version, but did the, uh, 2010 version had the version where uh, Perseus goes to the three uh, witches yes. to share the eye and yeah yeah not 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 again not really well done but yeah. uh, in my opinion yeah. but uh, you know it's just and then they tell him where to go and all that you know yeah yeah they have all that it's just a a really odd really just uh, emptied version of the story so okay with that I. Uh, we're, we're in agreement, though, on our ratings, yeah, and I think we're that's in agreement on the ratings. And I, and I think it's interesting. So for the listener, again, we're we're trying to really cover how the classical world. And is it, it shows to me you have good judgment, Sean. You agree well, there with you me. go. Well, of course, if we agree with <laughs> if we agree with Gary, we're all in good shape. So yeah. But uh, okay, listen. Well, for everyone, just uh, give these films a watch. I would say if you're going to have, if you've got to figure your time out, spend time with the 1981 version. See it first and then the new version, yeah. see what you think. I, and I and take a look at it then. And then hopefully we can find, um, you know, I'd like to hope that in the future we have stories told and I'd like to be telling those stories and Gary, I know you would too, that capture this kind of the, the essence and flavor of the great Greek myths and, and for me, especially of the goddess. So we'll see. And so with that, I want to thank Dr. Gary Stickle for his... Thank you. It's uh, fun as always. Fun as always. And I want to thank all of you for listening. This has been the 34 Sources Salon, the Parallax. This is the classical world at the movies. My name is Sean Marlon Newcomb. Thank you so much for listening and take care.